Hello and welcome to an informed life radio on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Bernadette Pager. And with me today is my co-host, Javier Figueroa. Welcome, Javier. We both got Hello. dark backgrounds today. My my system's crashing all over the place and I'm just <laughs> winging it here. <laughs> yeah, I've tried a different setup today and uh, well, yeah. seem to like it so much. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's times I'm tempted to just have this be straight radio, you know. I mean, it really is radio and this uh, anyway, um, but you know, I'm kind of glad we're not just radio today because we are bringing on Stephanie Lucretio from Children's Health Defense. There she is, and she's so absolutely beautiful. Those of you who get to watch this live and video or recorded get to see her beautiful face. So let's, thank you so <laughs> much for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh my goodness, and I'm I'm so grateful that at the last minute that you were able to come on because I'll tell listeners first of all I want a, bi- a big shout out of thanks to our fantastic members of Informed Choice Washington for their donations that make this show possible, and thank you to Children's Health Defense for also sponsoring the show and making it possible for streaming it to CHD TV. And for really being a beacon in this mad, mad world that we're in of, of light and light and truth and action and activism and guidance and hope that Children's Health Defense provides. So we're, we're just so grateful. Um, yeah. And so, Stephanie, tell us a little bit about your particular position with Children's Health Defense. Sure. So I'm the advocacy and outreach manager. And what that basically means is I work with all of the boots on the ground advocates and activists all across the country, the world, to help to amplify and really bring attention to the amazing work that there are so many people out there doing right now with all the things that matter to children's health defense, you know, medical freedom, vaccine injury and safety, 5G, environmental concerns. There are so many different things that we take on as an organization. So if you are out there and you were doing this work, I absolutely want to connect with you. I want to help to be able to make your voice heard to bring you onto our platforms and to make sure that you have the support that you need to continue to do this work. It's so important. I I so love that the, you know, as censorship continues, this lovely network has, has grown around the censorship and we're finding each other's and we're finding new ways to connect and get information out there. I don't, have you seen the, the trailer for the pandemic three that's coming out this summer? No, I have not. Yeah. I need to see it. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. I feel like, okay, what we're just talking about, I'm so tempted to spoil the last line of this, but I won't. I won't. Okay. But you watch it. I think I'll play it. I'll, I'll, I'll play it maybe next show or maybe, did I already play it? Javier on the radio. I can't remember if we played it on the show yet. You mean for the pandemic three? Yeah. I no, don't, no, not yeah. yet. I don't know that I played it on air uh, this way because for our radio listeners, I think the visuals are so impactful that you need yeah. to see yeah. that. So I might sum it up for people next week. It's going to be fantastic, really. But the essence of it is the, you know, 
they tried to make us be quiet and instead the opposite happened. You know? Oh, they, that is the silver lining of all the COVID madness is this yeah. conversation that was like this secret society a couple of years ago yeah. has erupted and all people can talk about is vaccines and the safety and the efficacy and the lockdown measures and all the things that are going on. So it's really created this bridge of communication that wasn't there a couple of years ago. And so many people that were hiding in the shadows and being silent are now out there yes, screaming at the top of their lungs that they yeah. want the ability to choose what goes in their bodies and on their face. So it's been a wonderful blessing. It, it has. And, you know, we do regret anybody who's been harmed by either COVID-19 or the response to COVID-19. It's been right. the response that has yeah, by far been the greater harm yeah. and continues yeah. to. I mean, it just, it just so sickens me. It, it, in a way, I feel like, you know, because now we're getting some admissions of truth from the CDC. Yeah, natural immunity is more protective. Uh, yeah, the boosters are not, they have negative efficacy. I'm not sure they've admitted to that one yet, but big studies are showing it. Not yet. I feel like for this round of the attempt to capture us, it's like somebody's called a ceasefire in a war, mm. but the people in the front lines are still being killed because they haven't got the message yet. You know, it's it, really yeah. sad, like the path of destruction. And there are so many people that died unnecessarily because of the suppression of medications that could have helped them because of, you know, being coerced into taking an experimental injection to which we have no idea what the long-term effects are. So for those people, I mean, the the effects are things that we'll be cleaning up for a really long time. And it's so sad that this had to happen. It really, it could have gone so much differently if there was just transparency and truth yeah. present. Unfortunately, yeah. that's not the name of the game right now with someone like Fauci at the helm of all of this. Exactly. And there's, there's also quite a bit of a bureaucratic inertia associated with it. So this just has to work itself out. But one thing that we do need to be very careful about is what we're talking about is basically this was a prototype approach. Can we get people to vaccinate with experimental therapies? And now they're finding out there's too much resistance. So they're resetting and now they're prototyping some, they're going to prototype something new. So this is something that you just need to be aware of. There's going to be bureaucratic inertia. We're just going to have to work through it, but there's going to be something else coming up. And I think like you said, 5G or maybe other approaches are going to become the next uh, the next approach. Vaccine ID passports. That's another major area. I mean, vaccines are bad enough, but the idea that now we have to compromise on our ability to move, work, have you know, have our rights, and again, that's another one that's going to be prototyped even harder now. Yeah, I could tell you one thing: when they come for the kids, though you activate something in humans when you come for their children Hell yes. that you have no idea the wrath that you've unleashed on yourself. So they've mm -hmm. really shot themselves in the foot because they've gone mm -hmm. so hard that any person who had a shred of doubt about what would the intention of this was, I think that the veil is really starting to lift. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And I was listening to this awesome guy down under today down in, in Australia who was in his car doing this video. And he really nailed it. I can't use his language. It's a little too colorful for our show. But he basically said, when the people who followed and, and obeyed, figure out the harm you have done to them and the lies you have told them, 
he said, look out because they're not going to be peaceful like we have been. We have been and we continue to be very peaceful. We educate. We're passionate. We're very peaceful. But these people who have been betrayed, whose trusts have been betrayed and whose health or the lives of the loved ones stolen, look out because they're going to be very angry. Um, But let's not go there right now. Let's go to those of us who've been in this in a a long time, who uh, have been joined by brilliant doctors and scientists and attorneys and pastors and also, and of course, moms who are the heart and soul of all this. And we are two days from now, January 23rd, Washington, D.C. Stephanie, tell us, you know, I'm going to be there. You're going to be there. I'm so excited. I cannot wait. I mean, it's been a whirlwind the last couple of weeks, but I think it's all going to pay off when we're standing in D.C. and we look around us and see how many people are a stand for medical freedom. So January 23rd, we're meeting at 1030 a.m. at the Washington Monument. We're going to start to march at 1130 over to the Lincoln Memorial. And at 1230, promptly, we have an amazing, amazing lineup of speakers, um, including Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Del Bigtree, uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Malone, Dr. Pierre Corey, Laura Logan, Trisha Lindsay, Aaron Lewis. We have vaccine-injured people that will be on stage to share what this has done to their lives, how they've lost family members. Um, You have first responders sharing what's happened. We really humanize this. We've taken every walk of life that you could possibly imagine And we've brought them in one place at one time to not only lift the veil around the science, around the unconstitutionality of what they're doing, but also to show the path of destruction, how these people have been impacted on such a personal level. I mean, listening to Ernest Ramirez talk about his son and the loss of his son when I was at the Senator Johnson hearing, that moment is a moment that I will remember for the rest of my life, how I felt in my body, um, listening to his voice, feeling the pain and the heaviness in that room. And this was, you know, an important thing to, to note because every life matters, you know, every single person means something to somebody. So I'm so happy that these people get the opportunity to get up there and share their stories and memorialize their loved ones. Um, It's going to be a remarkable day. And I think the most amazing thing about this is the (laughs) amount of people that are coming and how diverse this group is. I can tell Mm -hmm. you from being in this for the last couple of years, this used to be a suburban mom's problem. You know, you'd look outside and you'd see a bunch of angry suburban moms, you know, standing out there freezing, breastfeeding their kids, always peaceful, always loving, always hugging and compassionate. And to watch this movement grow and to see when you look out in those in those crowds now, every political, race, religion, socioeconomic status, seeing vaccinated people join with unvaccinated people standing against mandates, that's what this rally represents. It's really a homecoming of what America means, what those God-given rights that we were that we were endowed, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, what they mean to us and the fact that freedom is not free. We have to do our part to make sure we are standing up for what we want our children to have in the future because really this moment in history will determine the type of world that our kids live in. So it's so important to be there. Exactly. And it's called Defeat the Mandates DC. You can go to defeatthemandatesdc.com and it will be broadcast live on chd.tv. Yeah. Yeah. 
So that's pretty exciting. Um, um, I'm going to be there with my phone streaming live to um, Inform Choice Washington's Facebook channel. If I can get it to there, if they don't delete it. Um, I'm not the best techie person. I'm going to do my best. So, you know, let's just see the crowds and see who I can grab. Uh, it's it's going to be um, really exciting. And I think, you know, what's really important, yes, this was a movement of before of suburban moms. It was suburban moms who almost had um, the luxury of time and opportunity to go be visible, to go to the legislatures, to hold rallies, to hold informational meetings. But it was also their bravery, their courage of being willing to stand up. And we could not get many doctors who believed we were right and knew we were right to stand with us because they were afraid. The scientists, I, I like, yeah, you guys are right. But if I say that, or if I study that, I will lose my funding. Right. Um, so much of that was going on. And other people just like, oh, don't get near me with that V. You know, it's like, no, that's a hex. I can't touch that. Nobody would touch it with a 10 foot pole because of more than a hundred years of, um, you know, the best word is propaganda, if I could, yeah. you know, use that word, and in, in to make anybody critical of vaccines um, and, and dreaded anti-vaxxers, somebody's anti-science, which is so not true. You can't meet anybody more pro-science than somebody who's standing up to say, we need vaccine safety reform. Right. We need scientific integrity and public health policy, especially in relation to vaccine products. This is a consumer safety. This isn't the, you know, they treat it like a religion, right? Yeah. But the monster of our government response mm. to COVID made people realize I can't hide in my corner anymore. I can't stay silent. You know, it was, it's just too much. And, um, so it's just, and some amazing people, the journey that watching them, watch their early videos like two years ago, where they start to say, well, yeah, I'm a little concerned. I don't think that the CDC has got it quite right. And I think the World Health Organization is going to pull in and help us and watch them go on that journey of discovery. <laughs> it's been really interesting. And you know, it's funny at the beginning of this, I always talk about my dad because my dad and I at the beginning of this COVID thing, he was like Dr. Fauci stunt double. I mean, we literally <laughs> used to have wars on the phone talking about COVID because I knew from the beginning, I remember leaving the yoga studio for the last time and they said, I'll be back in two weeks. And in my head, I'm like, nope, this is one of those moments where it's like there was a before and there was an after Master. and yep. it would never be the same. And I knew that walking out of the studio when I sobbed when I left and you know, I kept talking about all these things that were going to happen. And I was called crazy. I was a conspiracy theorist. There's not one conspiracy theory that I uttered that has not become a truth. And exactly. it's crazy to see how people have made that journey. My dad and my mom are coming with me to Washington, D.C. on Sunday. Yay. So we've made quite a turnaround in this whole thing and watching them gather the information and being able to start to have different conversations and let go of the fear has been quite a remarkable thing to witness so i'm really happy that that's happened i hope that it's happening for other people because i know how 
horrible it is when you have family members that you don't agree with. I mean, people are asking for proof of vaccination to come to birthday parties and to holiday gatherings. It's just, it's awful what this has done to the family unit. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. It it has shattered a lot of lives. And I do hope a lot of people have grace in their hearts and are able to find that forgiveness of words said and things done and just know that on both sides, everybody's kind of been victim. Um, but we don't, we, we can't, we can't let ourselves be victims or, or wallow in that state. We have to rise above it and just say, what was in the past is in the past. Let's join hands. Let's help each other. And let's get this done. And the momentum has to continue because, um, and Javier, maybe you can speak to some of the things you've been seeing too. Of course, we've got Boris Johnson in England saying, you know, they're ending the, the mandates, the mask and vaccine mandates, and other countries are following suit. Businesses are following suit. United States, not so much yet. You know, um, Biden just gave a big speech and he was, um, really pushing them boosters, you know, and, um, but as things change and eventually, it's predicted March 1st by the State of the Union address by Biden. He's going to yeah. claim victory over COVID and set everybody free. You know, while while it would be great if everybody did cheer and, and feel a little bit of relief, do not linger in there. This nope. is when we have to step it up because just like Javier, like you said, something else is coming next. Yep. And in that breather moment, gear up to gird ourselves. There's some great legislation in every state that we have got to get passed. And in the states that don't yet have the legislators who are understanding and willing to pass, got to get them out of office <laughs> and get the good people in. Yeah. So Javier, what have you been hearing? Um, you know, what's, what's new that you're hearing? Well, you know, it's like, like you said, you know, all the conspiracy theories, theories turned out to be true. I don't, I don't like to call conspiracy theories, conspiracy theories, they're business plans. People mm -hmm. are making money off of it. So, uh, you know, it's a business plan that's being played out. What's been happening in England, uh, is also happening in Scotland. Wales is probably going to be coming up next. And then you're going to have the entire UK also go into that direction. What you really have to watch out for is what happens with Israel. If Israel says, you know what, we're just going to stop the program. Uh, then you know that there is a major uh, change coming around. Uh, in the United States, what's happening is that you have governors that are going to continue pushing the, uh, the, the mandates and the mass requirements, and other governors are gonna, that are going to capitulate to it. Like, for example, what happened with uh, uh, Governor Whitmer in, in, in Michigan. She saw the writing on the wall. She saw that now the legislature had gone from, you know, uh, majority Democrat to majority Republican. And now she basically had no power to enforce the mandates because you had enough people basically saying stop. So it's going to be really dependent on how far or how um, how much in control the political parties are and what the calculus is going to be. And I think the midterms are going to be an important uh, bellwether for what happens next. So my, my prediction is going to be the West Coast is going to start leaning more and more blue and require even greater, greater um, uh, mandates. I think that New York is at a turning point because I think people are fed up and as goes New York, so goes New Jersey, so to speak. So you're seeing a lot of those changes coming up. But again, like you said, this is a time to take a breather and get ready, 
because there's going to be something else coming up. And the vaccine passports are the end-all, be-all for a larger strategy. Wow. Yeah, I think people need to really keep their eyes and ears open at all times. That's the thing. We get lulled into a false sense of security that the mm -hmm. people who are supposed to be upholding our constitutional freedoms are actually doing their job, and we just think that we can coast. We cannot nope. coast anymore. We need nope. to make sure that our voices are heard that we have an active say in what goes on, what laws are passed, what bills are squashed. I mean, Governor Murphy got in by the skin of his teeth, and I don't think he did so yeah. fairly, to be honest yeah. with you. Um, the legislature finally did their job and ended his executive order power. They didn't, re they didn't vote to have it extended again at his request. So what did he do the day that his executive order power ended, he declared another state of emergency in New Jersey. And the whole reason for doing that is to keep our children masked in schools because you know, they wanna push the vaccine on children. They want them to suffer as much as possible so that parents line their kids up to get this vaccine. So, you know, and they're getting money for this. They're getting oh, yeah. funding from the federal government. So this is the reason why our children in masks. And if they have it their way, this will go on until 2023. So people need to get involved in their board of education meetings. They need to run for their local elected official positions. They need to be in those meetings with those legislators. Your local elected officials need to know your face and your name. They need to know the issues that are of importance to you. Because if you don't take that stand and you don't have that active say, we're just going to get more of the same. And we can't take more of the same. We need a change. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, we talked last week, we provided to listeners the where to go to find the federal money uh, that has um, the strings going to your school. So you can read all the information, go to your school board and say, are you keeping the kids? Because they have to report every so many months. Um, new information just came down from the federal government saying that they're releasing all the last of the ESSER money, it's called. I forget what that stands for, but the educational money to um, that comes with strings. They're releasing it all. They said all 52 states. I didn't know we had 52 states. It must be 50 states and two territories. But they right. said all 52 states. Um, had sent in reports that were approved for their plan. So they're releasing all the money. And then it said just kind of casually, more reporting requirements are to come. So what they have done, it's really, I don't know if it's legal. It's pretty creepy. If, if it is, it's sneaky. Yeah. From the get-go, they were sending out money saying, you know, more reporting requirements will be followed up. And then those reporting requirements were strings that you have to report that you're doing this, this, and this, and this. You're masking the kids that you're doing all this stuff. Um, so the people had to accept the money without knowing the conditions. And a lot of them have spent the money already and then are told the conditions. That is so highly unethical. Um, yeah. yeah. And, you know, for it's a, it's like the federal government is has become an enemy to local government, um, just s abusing them so much. And a lot of these places are desperate for money because of the trampling of the economy by exactly. um, the response. And yeah, so we all have to get active. So Stephanie, I got an email at Informed Trust Washington today from somebody in Hawaii wanting to know how they could get active in Hawaii. And so I sent them the link to the Hawaii chapter of Children's yes. Health Defense. Um, so can you tell uh, listeners more about 
I mean, where the chapters are and, and different outreach, if they want to get active, um, how can they turn to Children's Health Defense? There are so many different ways that you can get active. So if you go on the childrenshealthdefense.org website, we have advocacy tools out there. I've been working very hard along with um, the marketing manager, Amy Valella McBride, to create information that you can go out there with. We have a sticker campaign, Stick to the Truth. So in Washington, we're going to have several thousand sheets of stickers to hand out so people can start sticking things all over the place. Um, there are handouts, there are postcards, so many things out there that you can start the conversation with. And you can also connect with any chapters that we have on the website. You'll see a, a, ping, a little uh, area there to find the chapters. I think that there are 15 globally right now. Karen McDonough is our chapter, chapter coordinator, so she has those exact figures, but we have a lot of chapters going up all over the United States and globally, South Africa, Australia, we have a CHD Europe. So there's so many things popping up. And then we're also partnering with affiliates and different uh, groups throughout the United States. So if yeah. you are doing this work, you're doing anything with medical freedom, with unmasking our children, any of the issues that are of importance, I'm actually building a list right now of all those groups throughout the United States. And what we've started to do is host monthly calls to bring all the organizations together because there's so many people doing so much great work. You know, when you can combine and collaborate with one another and really start to amplify and work together in unison, there is so much power in that. So we've done a couple of campaigns. We did uh, worldwide walkouts, which I know so many of our chapters, partners and affiliates were participating in. We did a walkout week. We did an ACT UP protest where we showed up at different areas all across the United States where they were giving the COVID vaccine to children as young as 12 years old without parental knowledge and consent to stand against that. Um, and then we have our initiative now, Show Up Strong, which is encouraging people all across the United States as these first days of legislative session pop up all throughout the United States to show up in peaceful non-compliance with your signs to let them know we are watching. We are going to yeah. hold them to account to do what it is that they were hired by our taxpaying dollars to do, which is to represent we the people. So mm -hmm. get your voices, your signs, your children, your bodies out there. Be heard and be seen. Connect with like-minded, like-hearted people. You can do all of that on the website. And if you have a group that you want to have added to the list or you want to get into contact with me, you can reach out to me at advocacy at childrenshealthdefense.org. That's fantastic. Advocacy at childrenshealthdefense.org. And Informed Choice Washington in Washington State, we're one of your affiliate groups, I would say. Yeah. You don't yet have a chapter, but we work very closely together and we're very honored to do that. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, that you encourage listeners. I mean, there's a couple places to go to find out if you're not finding a CHD chapter um, to find out, um, they could probably contact you at advocacy to see if you know of a medical freedom group, right, in their state that you affiliate with. And then there's another organization that we work with quite a bit. Um, they're our fiscal sponsor, which is Health Choice. Um, I believe I'm gonna have to look that up real quick. Uh, healthchoice.org, if I'm yeah. getting the uh, email address, I mean, the website address correctly. And they have um, chapters that are under that affiliate with them as well. And Health Choice and Children's Health De Defense also collaborate together. So we're becoming this wonderful, united group, independent, which keeps us strong, 
but united, which, um, you know, makes us even stronger. So <laughs> for sure. And I think the unity part is really important because, you know, I always say to people, there is no one group, one person or one strategy that's going to win this. It's all the things together, all the people, mm-hmm. all the strategies, all the collaboration that's going to help us to get to where we want to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We have, we have to work at, at, at all levels, right? We need entities that can fight at the global level, which children's health defense has a big part of. I mean, you're in communication and have chapters all over the world. And you're looking at that big picture because it's not just the United States is happening too. This is a global takeover basically. Um, And, but then we need activism and action being taken at the federal level. Again, CHD is there. And some of the individual chapters, you know, are, our congressmen, our senators in D.C., we can work through them to impact the federal level. And then you get down to the state and then you get down to the county. You know, the individual, of course, is the ultimate source of power under the Constitution, federal and everybody's state constitution. Truth. We have forgotten that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Until now. And um, so work your way up and, and finding those people in your area to work as local as possible, that's where you're going to get the one-on-one. That's where you can get the human communication. That's true. And you know, the thing about it is people think that you need to know everything to do something and you do not need to know everything. You have to have a sincerely held passionate belief about an issue of importance and a story to tell. And that's all it takes to pick up the phone and to reach out to a legislator to let them know that you don't approve or you approve of a bill that directly impacts this really important belief that you have about yourself or your family. And that's the beginning of the conversation. You know, when I first started in this work, I didn't even know the difference between a Senate bill and an assembly bill. You know, I I moved from New York to New Jersey seeking religious exemption and be able to maintain that in the state that I was in, New York was a done deal and literally unpacked my boxes. And within two months, there was a bill that dropped in New Jersey that was going to do the same exact thing that I just crossed the state line for. And in that moment, I was like, okay, this silence that I've been living in, because, you know, it was a secret society. You don't talk about your vaccine status. You don't talk about your religious exemption. You keep it quiet. You know, you just try to stay under the radar. And in that moment, I'm like, okay, staying quiet is not getting us anywhere. And I just jumped in. I made a ton of mistakes, but you learn as you go. And you, if you fall down, you know, seven times, you get up eight. That's just how it works. Get the support that you need from people that know that have been doing it. Yeah, I love that. Um, and, oh, I had a thought. It just completely fled out of uh, my head. It'll come back. Sorry about that. I got I distracted just, by my button. Go, Javier. I was just going to say, yeah, being being on the uh, informed choice and, and basically uh, health freedom advocacy, that was that was like the uh, Fight Club for for the two thousands. You, you don't talk about Fight Club okay. ever, right? So you don't talk about this, and this has given us such, such permission to say, well, we really need to start questioning everything. Yeah, if absolutely. They, and if you have a story to tell and you're not telling it, I always say you're part of the problem and not the solution because nothing ever happens by staying silent and hiding out in a corner. The only time that things change is when people are willing to stand up. And, you know, we see that courage is contagious when you are willing to put yourself out there and to get uncomfortable and to do the things that don't necessarily feel natural to you at that moment. 
you unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. And I think that that's the most beautiful thing about this movement is unconsciously we're inspiring people to share those most vulnerable parts of themselves with their legislators, with their friends, with their families. And in doing so, we're planting these seeds of truth that just continue with patience and gentle persistence to grow around us. And, that's, and the truth is important. The truth is oh, yeah. very important. Yeah. And <clears throat> we, we have had the truth pre-COVID. We had the facts of the products. We could show that there needs to be some increased vaccine safety oversight. We yes. need increased studies. We need the long-term studies. We need the studies like of Dr. Paul Thomas's data, right? We need all of that. Um, we're in this mess because nobody wanted to jump into the game that had been made so controversial. The weapons of those who profit from silencing us and from yes. making you feel really... Um, uncomfortable talking about the issue. They don't battle science. They refuse to debate us. How many times have Bob, has Bobby Kennedy gotten oh. events, debates set up, and at the last minute, whoever mm -hmm. was going to debate pulled out. They were told to pull out. They cannot, because they can't withstand our, you know, the truth of the science. You can't bring it down to facts. Like we Jack Nicholson said, you can't handle the truth. I mean, can't that's handle the truth. Right? can't handle the truth. <clears throat> and, and so it has been a war, war of ad hominem attacks and of emotion. They, they appeal to emotion. And so what you had said is you don't have to know everything. Just tell your truth and tell your story and tell your passion. Because our side has been trying to be doing the good and noble thing and just what well, we just want to present the data. We don't want to toy with your emotions. We're going to present the data and the data will rule, but no, because the emotion of the campaigns and then the ad hominem attacks is really what they're so brilliant at. They showed that with Dr. Andrew Wakefield, right? Yeah. Yep. When they took him down, they're like, this is how we do it. This is our game plan. Anybody who steps up and speaks mm -hmm. out, you just Andy Wakefield them. You just Wakefield them. It's it's like in the Urban Dictionary now. To be yeah, Wakefield, yeah. it is to be made an example by the pharmaceutical industry <laughs> that you don't speak yeah. up. So I mean, now we have among our ranks labeled by the media anti-vaxxers. We've got Dr. Paul Merrick. We've got Dr. <laughs> Pierre Corey. We've yeah. got. Dr. Robert Malone. I mean, we've got Dr. Peter McCullough. I mean, we've got some of the most brilliant doctors out there being labeled ad hominem attacks, which all it does is shine a spotlight on the attack. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, it shows that there's something terribly wrong here. Um, yeah. It's sad because, you know, it keeps a lot of people that, that Wakefield syndrome that you spoke about, so many physicians, so many attorneys, there are so many people that are afraid for that to happen to them. And fear is a really tricky thing because if mm -hmm. in your heart of hearts, when you lay your head down on the pillow at night, you know that you're not doing everything that you can right now to save our freedom and to save our children. I don't know what's worse, fear of, you know, the, the criticism and whatever it is that they do to you or actually living into the scary future that we're headed towards. If people don't start talking a lot more like that, it's really what needs to happen right now, because 
it's just the amount of brainwashing that is going on mm -hmm. with mainstream media, the commercials, the billboards, the signs. I mean, we're just inundated with all this fear-based messaging and, and mistruth that we need to counterbalance it with getting the real information out there. So I'm so thankful for these doctors that are coming out of the shadows yeah. and really putting themselves, their livelihoods and their practices on the line to share this information. Well, oh, go ahead, so, Javier. I just wanted to say that, you know, I, I wish more doctors, more physicians would realize that, you know, you're not speaking up because you're hoping that, like you said, I'll just stick my head down and they'll ignore me. They're coming after everyone. Yep. You're not safe. The moment you speak up, you're pushing back against the darkness. And I know that there's a lot of physicians that are just now realizing, oh my God, why are we having all these kids with hemorrhages? Why are we having all these kids with neurological conditions? They're afraid even to announce or even suggest that it's the vaccine, but they're gonna have to come to terms with that sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. Because if they wait too long, all of a sudden, all these uh, boards, medical boards, that have control over their licenses are going to be co-opted or they already have been, or they're going to wield so much power that they'll be able to tell them, you either do what we say, we'll pull your license. There's yeah. no judge, no jury. We're both. Oh, yeah. And, the, and those threats are already happening. Now, Javier, you work in the scientific research world. Correct. And you are now co-host of an Informed Life radio. Yes. You know, talking with Stephanie of Children's Health Defense. You are one of the courageous. So would you feel comfortable talking about that that place of being knowing that you are potentially putting your professional career at risk and yet, and yet the drive to get the truth out there? Can you speak on that? You know, essentially, part of my career has been spent being a bit of an outsider. I never liked the the focus on, well, it's about getting the grant and it's about making sure that you can supply your lab. And, you know, basically it's a business. I understand businesses are important. You need to make a living, but at the same time, if you don't live with some integrity, you're going to slowly start to decay from within. Hmm. And you can, the moment you do that, you're dying mm -hmm. and you can't do that. Work should be life affirming. Wow. You know, what you do is, should be life affirming. The moment you start compromising, it eats away at your integrity to the mm -hmm. point where you no longer are enjoying what you're put here on this earth to do. The, and I think that's what's really turning a lot of people around where they realize that this activism is life affirming, that it gives mm -hmm. you energy, that all of a sudden you realize, ah, this is what I can do and I can feel good about doing it. And everything else just falls on the, by the wayside. It really does. Wow. Thank you so much for that. And, you know, it reminds me of Dr. Paul Thomas when I interviewed him once, right after the Oregon Medical Board was going after his license. And, you know, I said to him, how you doing? You know, emotionally, it's a scary place. And he said he was surprisingly, he felt relief yeah. because he felt freed to speak truth boldly. You know, he didn't have to, I mean, he was always running his practice very ethically, giving fully informed consent, you know, just putting first do no harm, you know, he's just so admirable, but he was always having to be a little careful publicly, but then he's just like, nope, I can speak truth. And he said, it's so liberating, you know, I mean, he, you know, he's got a lot of challenges ahead yet with what's going on there in Oregon, but this is a man, just like you said, it's life affirming 
to do the right thing. It feels good. I've not spoken to a single person yet who made that decision to step out of the shadows, to take a personal risk, you know, to career or whatever and do the right thing. I've never heard a single person regret it. No, I've only heard they feel so much better doing it. It's, you know, the the amazing thing about it is people fear losing friends, family, loved ones that are going to judge or criticize them for their decisions. And I will say that it does happen. It does absolutely happen. But along with that shedding, it's like the trees that shed their leaves every single year to create space for something new. You find your people. I mean, I cannot tell you some of my dearest friends today, I didn't know four years ago, and they love and accept me for exactly who I am. So the people that fall out of your lives because of what you're passionate about or what you believe, they were never really meant to be there in the first place. And all it does is remove the toxic things from your life to allow you to welcome in the next wave of people who are really going to be behind you and support you and help you to uncover that power that we all have. You know, we hide behind this this shield of wanting to look a certain way and be accepted and be embraced. And so often we allow ourselves to be diluted because we want to fit in. And why do people want to fit in? We were born to stand out. So, you know, when you're able to be your authentic self and speak your truth, I mean, I remember standing outside two years ago in Trenton and watching Bobby Kennedy speak on the fountain in Trenton. And I said to myself, I'm going to work for children's health defense. Like that's happening. Yeah. And, you know, I just kept doing what I was doing, kept in touch with people. And here it is two years later, I'm here. And that's very intentional. I manifested that we can manifest anything that we set our hearts and minds to, as long as we decide to show up and do the work that's required, no matter how uncomfortable it gets, because the discomfort is where the magic happens. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to add one little caveat to what you said, Steph, because I do believe that there are some people who are not meant to be at least in your life at this stage of your life. But I also think that there are people in your life that for now step aside without anger, without, if if you can, if you can manage it, at least on your side, most of the time the anger (laughs) comes from the other side, but keep that little bit of grace in your heart for for them to make a journey and re-enter your life. Because, you know, especially with family, I think that there is the potential for them to be a part of your life again in the future, but, but not right now. If they're not feeding your soul because they're not, they're, they're not on the journey yet. They haven't, you know, come alive to it. Yeah. Always. I mean, to me, anger is like you swallowing poison and expecting someone else to die. So we need to always keep that grace in our heart and, <laughs> yeah. you know, continue to, to reach out and plant those seeds and extend the olive branch. And it's not that you're crossing people off your list. It's just they may not have as active a role in your life as they yeah. once did. And you have to be able to meet people where they are and accept them for who they are and just accept that things change right. and evolve as you yes. do. Yeah, exactly. So you know, hey, I, I'd like to kind of do something quick. We've got a little bit of time here. 
And I thought it would be kind of fun to have Stephanie participate in this. The um, Washington State Board of Health has convened a technical advisory group um, in order to review the data on the COVID-19 shots to decide whether they're going to recommend or not recommend that the State Board of Health add them to school requirement. Ugh. It's insane that they've even taken this step. However, they sent out an email today saying that this technical advisory group called the TAG would like input, public input from a survey about criteria item number nine. They have nine criteria that they consider. Um, and, you know, they want to know what the public thinks. So I'm, and, and I will be putting this on our website if it's, um, I'll try to get it up tonight, but watch for it. Um, or you can sign up for emails from the Washington State Board of Health and, and get it. But I'll try to get it up on the web website for y'all so you can go click on go. it and take the survey. Um, it, uh, but I'm going to, um, I'm going to ask you the questions and see what your answers are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, you know, and they range from zero to 10. So number one, oh, just organization. Number two, okay. Would adding COVID-19 vaccine as a requirement for school entry make you more or less likely to get your child vaccinated? What do you think? More or less likely? <laughs> There's um, no way ever. So that would be a big zero for me. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it was easy one. Okay. Um, how burdensome would an additional immunization requirement for school entry be for you and your family? That would be a 10. Very burdensome. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's still ain't happening. It's like, well, not happening at all. That's it, why I took my son out of school. <laughs> right. Yeah. That one's kind of hard to answer because you kind of want to say zero because we're not getting them. So zero burden because it's not happening, right? That's yeah. true. Let's stick with that. Yeah. I, I, so it's a tricky one to answer because they don't give you any place to type anything in with that particular question. Okay. Um, the next question is, what are some of the barriers you face to getting your child vaccinated against COVID-19? Oh the complete lack of need science or long-term studies of what this is actually going to do when my child is at zero risk, basically, from having any serious complications from COVID. Excellent. What about you, Javier? How are you going to answer that question? <laughs> I love the way that they frame it. They assume that you're on board. Yeah. These are the, these quite, they don't move. They basically say you're on board, right? Okay, yeah. great. How on board are you? Yeah, that's, what's your that's the whole framing. Yeah. What's your barrier, right? Yeah. What's the framing? And, you know, like you said, it's basically hell no, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Zero yeah. benefit, all risk. Yeah. Yeah. I, I already filled this out and I put not safe, not effective, not, I can't remember what else, but yeah, um, not necessary. Um, what are some of the benefits you see to vaccination? Do the possible benefits of vaccinating your child against COVID-19 reduce the impact of identified burdens of obtaining the vaccine? My blood pressure is rising right now. <laughs> like there are no benefits. No, none. No. Zero. The only one that benefits is the pharmaceutical companies that have zero liability for the harm that they are causing people that we yeah. have no recourse for at this point. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we're even, I don't know what's going on with the World Health Organization, but that one lady whose name I should learn how to pronounce, but I can't, um, you know, she's coming out, she's backpedaling all over the place with 
what she's saying. And now she's saying that children, I'm not sure. Did she say that the children didn't need the vaccines at all, or they just don't need the boosters? Boosters. They didn't need the boosters. Didn't need yeah. the boosters. Well, they don't need it at all. So let's, that's probably coming next. They're just going to try to rewrite, you know, next segment is no, oh no, we never said that. We never told you guys to lock down. We never told you guys to get these products. It was all your idea. I mean, you know, they, what is that expression? It's like, you know, you got to have a backup horn warning that you're backing up so fast. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, last question. Do you believe adding COVID-19 vaccine as an immunization requirement for school entry is reasonable? Why or why not? No. So you get to fill that in. <laughs> is it I, I can't even, none of this is reasonable. This is what's reasonable I always say if they want to mandate something, let's mandate vegetables. There let's you go. make children eat vegetables. Let's take the French fries and the ice cream and all the fried up crap out of the schools and give children whole, hearty, nutritious lunches. Teach them how to take care of their bodies, how to take care of their minds, how to meditate, how to breathe, how to exercise properly, and how to boost the God-given natural immunity that every single one yeah. of us has. If you want to add that to your program, Washington State, I will sign on for that. All the other stuff that they just talked about is bogus. There yeah. I'm not buying any of it. Yeah, you know, I agreed. And But these past two years, and I'm sure you agree with me, um, I'm so anti-mandate anything, I wouldn't even mandate vitamin D. I just, <laughs> you know, the the... The government cannot be trusted. They need to get out of the medicine business. They need to get out of the prescription business, out of the pharmaceutical business. You know, they should have nothing to do with it whatsoever. None. They cannot be trusted. No. Yeah, Agreed. absolutely not. You know, it has we, to be something that happens with parents. Like, you know, I always mm -hmm. say parents know their children better than any doctor, any governor, any you know, legislator, we know our kids best. So when it comes to what is in their best interest, it needs to be an individual family decision. There needs to be an informed conversation about what the risks and benefits are, a real informed consent conversation, not that one sheet of paper that they give you at CVS when you ask them about the insert. Um, and being able to take all that information digest it without coercion, without pressure, without bullying, without being guilted to me to feel that you are a bad parent. And from there, you make a decision as that person's parent to decide what medical treatments you choose to give your child, yourself or not. Yeah. And, and if schools would stick to reading, writing and arithmetic yeah. like they used to do so that our, our, and, and learn to be critical thinkers, critical yeah thinkers, not just follow the consensus thinkers, then they would emerge from the school systems able to be capable and thinking parents and to continue to educate themselves and make decisions. We have to re-empower ourselves to trust ourselves. I think, I think as a nation, we got to a point where we were only trusting experts and we, we began to doubt our own ability to think and judge and make decisions and that is very dangerous for democracy um we played into their hands but no more no more yeah. it looks like it's, it's time for us to go so uh last word um stephanie come to dc if you physically can get there on sunday january 23rd which is this weekend we have buses you can go to the children's health defense website 
or you can go directly to worldwidewalkouts.org. You can get all the details there. For the bus schedule, we have buses leaving from New York, New Jersey. We just added a second bus from South Jersey, so feel free to go on and take a look. Um, We have buses from North Carolina, Pennsylvania. There's so many people that are heading there. Um, Find a buddy, be brave, show up for this historical event. You will not want to miss it. You will leave with your cup feeling so filled, knowing that you're walking this path with so many other people that share your passion and your deeply held beliefs about being able to choose what goes in and on your bodies and you will be on the right side of history, fighting for the freedom of your children and all the future generations. So if you see me there, come give me a hug, um, (laughs) introduce yourself. I'll be out there in the crowd interviewing all the people there, capturing everything that's happening and all of this will be streamed on chd.tv. So tune in at 12.30 p.m. on Sunday for all the coverage. Oh, well, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. Look, right off the top of her head. I just <laughs> love it. And, and if you are watching on CHDTV, don't forget to share it. You know, comment on it. Share it on every social media platform you can find. Get everybody aware of this. Share it with the media. Send it to major media. Send it to your local media. Make sure they're aware this event is happening. And if they're not covering it, ask them why they're not covering it. Yes. Let's let's make everybody aware of this um, awesome day. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us. I will see you Sunday in DC and, and Javier, I wish you'd be with us, but maybe next time, huh? Maybe next time, yes. Yeah. Okay. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Come give me a hug, Bernadette. I will, I'll try to find you. It's gonna be a crowd of thousands. I'll try to get to you. We'll find our way to each other. <laughs> okay, sounds good. You've been listening to an Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we have got a fabulous integrative pediatrician, an MD coming uh, next up. You don't want to miss that. Hi, I'm Lynn Redwood president of the nonprofit Children's Health Defense. Our chairman, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and our entire team are devoted to ending the epidemic of illnesses and disorders plaguing our children today. Through legal action, we're working to hold industries and government agencies accountable and to establish safeguards to prevent further harm. We're working overtime during this COVID-19 crisis to keep you informed about the politics and science of rush vaccine candidates. Freedom and our children's futures have never been more in jeopardy. But we can succeed. With your help, we can stop the devastation and give our children and grandchildren the healthy future they deserve. To learn more about what we're doing and how you can help, visit childrenshealthdefense.org and sign up for our free news. Please visit childrenshealthdefense.org today. Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, The High Wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate, evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions. 
high above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com. Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life Radio and visit the website informedchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informedchoicewa.org today. We need a revolution. There's only one solution. I need somebody to show me, somebody to show me the love. We need a revolution. Welcome back to an Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Bernadette Pager, and with me is Javier Figueroa. Um, you know, and I, Javier, in the last hour, I mentioned a survey at the Board of Health, and we went through yes. it and had some fun taking it. Well, I managed in the four-minute break to, to throw it up on the website. So it's now ah. the latest post on the website. <laughs> so if anybody wants to go take that survey, go to informchoicewa.org. You'll find it. Find it uh, scroll down on the homepage or just look for all posts on the menu tab, and you can get right to it. Um, but we've got a wonderful guest coming up next, Javier. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to bring on, her name is Cornelia Franz. She's an integrative, oh, there she is, um, pediatrician. Hi, who's down in Florida. And I had the pleasure of meeting her at a fabulous event, um, uh, a healthy immunity conference in Ashland, Oregon, put on by the wonderful Jennifer Margulis. I don't know if you've had the pleasure of meeting her. She's a wonderful science writer, PhD, uh, heart of gold, love her. And I met Cornelia there and bless her heart. She remembered that I wanted to have her on the, um, on the radio and she reached out to me and I'm so grateful that she did. Hi, um, should I call you Dr. France or what? What's the best way to address you? Um, just don't call me names, Dr. Okay. Brands or Cornelia. <laughs> yeah, okay, That's we'll be funny. fine. Yeah, exactly. Now we we live we leave those names and ad hominem attacks for the, for the other side of this of this whole crazy issue. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead though. I'm going to I'm going to give some background here to our our listeners and viewers today. So Cornelia France, MD, is a board-certified pediatrician in Orlando, Florida. She has been a pediatrician for several decades, doesn't look like it, and has a passion for integrative medicine, natural products, and methods that facilitate healing and getting to the root cause of illness. She and her dedicated team offer traditional pediatric services with expertise in autism, ADD, ADHD, anxiety, eczema, allergies and other chronic problems and we know that those are plague in society our kids yeah. today in in uh, in the united states if not all over the world their protocols are simple 
affordable, effective, and lead to positive health outcomes when followed. She has been a leader on the cutting edge of common sense medicine for over 30 years. She and her team of providers love working with people to achieve their healthcare goals. And before I forget, I chatted a little bit with Dr. France yesterday and found out that she's licensed in several states. And so if you love what I just read about her and you're not in Florida, there's a chance that she may be able to work with you on the issues with your children if you're in other states. She's got this great team. Yeah. So that was um, Georgia, Tennessee, and North Carolina. Is that correct? Correct. That's fantastic. Yeah. And then you do have a website. We're going to give it again at the end, but sometimes I get a little chatty and forget. So that is thefranzcenter.com, and that's spelled F-R-A-N-Z. So thefranzcenter.com. Do we need to give the backslash to find it? There's a backslash on there. Oh, I don't think so. You just type in thefranzcenter.com. And you'll get there. That's that's yeah. fantastic. So I, you know, I'm. Oh, let me introduce you to Javier. This is Javier Figueroa, our co-host. Hello, how are you? Yeah, he he's he's the brains. I guess I'm the mom. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and and uh, so I'm so excited to talk to you about it, uh, several things. So I I took some great notes to try to um, help us figure out. You know, there's just so much to talk about. One of the things we talked about was because you have been in the field of pediatric medicine so long that the state of things when you entered is not the state of things now for a couple of ways, the way business is done and also the health issues that you see in children. Right. Yeah, Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So tell tell me about, let's, let's start with business. How has the business of pediatrics changed? Um, (laughs) uh, that one has probably changed the most. Um, it, yeah, it just seems so very cutthroat. The one thing that just stands out to me is when I started practice and we filed insurance, they were taking like 20 cents on every dollar. We got paid pretty well. Now they're taking up to 50 cents. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And it's just, that part's hard. They've made it harder and harder um, yeah, I could go on for the whole hour about insurance. I don't want to, but that just is, has been, been rough. Um, do you think it come, oh, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, do you think that insurance, you know, I kind of had this aha moment, um, a couple years ago when I realized that big pharma and big medicine depend on big insurance, yeah. that you, they can't exist without it. So really big insurance isn't in place to protect the individual, it's to protect because because who the heck could afford five thousand dollars a pill, or you know a a twelve thousand dollar one day stay at the hospital? Nobody. And the only reason you know they that things keep escalating to the point they are where medical care is more expensive in the United States than anywhere else on the planet is because we all pay hundreds of dollars or more every month to these big insurance companies and, you know, money tends to taint everything, doesn't it? It does. And, you know, back when I started practice, you could spend more time with people 
which is really crucial. And today, it's, I just call it factory medicines. And I've never been able to practice factory medicine. I hurt my finger several years ago, and I, I went to see the orthopedist. And um, great guy and great reputation. And he really was very nice. Um, but being a bit cynical, I, I timed him. And so I had several visits, and when he came in, he was, he was really nice. He sat down, hurt my hand. He took my hand. He looked at it. Um, told me what we needed to do, and left. Five minutes, I counted. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I can commend him for that, but I'm like, guy, you don't know anything about me. And then I saw him weeks later at somewhere socially, and I was like, you know, hey, doctor, and it's Dr. Franz. And he was like, oh, oh all right. And I went, you know, that's so sad. You don't even know who I am. And I'm you your know? patient. Yeah, Dr. Franz, we're yeah, having a yeah. little trouble with your audio connection. I'm not sure um, if there's anything that we can um, do. If you want to adjust it, maybe unplug it and plug it back in and, and see. We don't seem to have a great connection with you. Um, uh, let me see if I just turn, turn them off. Okay. Yeah, they're wireless. Oh, it, maybe it's because it's wireless. Yeah, yeah. the wire do, does better. Let's see if we Is can that better? Yes, much better. Much Thank better. you for that. Yeah, the, the plug-in ones, I'm, I'm attached to my... Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, I was just... I had watched... Oh, it was the High Wire um, this week. They had somebody on talking about... 5g and wireless and i was learning things i didn't know before and about the the radio waves um see i'm not even explaining i don't yet have the language to describe it but it's it's very interfering let's put it that way and i mean that's why like they're not going to roll out the the 5g around airports they the the um, airlines have said, no, 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 stop. They've got a big pause on that because of the interference that might happen yeah. with the equipment that allows them to land. But I'm squirreling. Okay, so, which Bernadette tends to do. Actually, um, it's really a great segue into a just different matter altogether. If you're talking about that, it's, you know, it's dealing with energy and frequency and vibrations yes. that interfere. Yes. And when you get down to it, even in medicine, everything everything is energy everything we are energy and you know and one of the things that we do in our practice is homeopathy and it, people always go what's homeopathy and i go well it was popularized back in the late 1800s by dr samuel hahnemann who was the dr oz or the ben carson of his day he was a brilliant person and he left his field um because that was the time when they did leaching or they did purgatives and laxatives and basically killed more people than they helped. Yep. He said he couldn't practice that way. So he left and was translating a book and read something about quinine and malaria. So he wound up taking tiny bits of cinchona bark from the cinchona bark tree and gave himself the symptoms of malaria. So homeopathy is based on the premise that like cures like, and it does work. It's about vibration and frequency, though. When you take a remedy, it vibrates with your energy and stimulates a healing response. And Chinese medicine does the same in a different fashion by plugging into the afferent C fibers on the body 
and manipulating the energy to create harmony and balance. Can, um, can you explain a little bit more about that? You named a type of fiber. Can you extrapolate yeah. on that? They're, they're, they're called C fibers and they're the, the tiny fibers, the tiny nerve lines in the body that transfer message from the periphery to the central. Okay, so they're wow. called afferent. And for a long time, people thought meridians were just, you know, whatever, and uh, not real, but they have established that they are very real. And I go, I, I learned about them in medical school and that they, they actually have little photonic ability, light abilities. And when you stimulate that, you're creating energy movement. And anybody who's ever had acupuncture, you know, can attest to that. And um, many times you can just feel it move. So we are truly energetic beings. And for me, what what we do is, it's you know, it's integrative medicine. And I go, that's just purely semantic. To me, <laughs> we practice medicine, medicine because yeah. all medicine, all healing deals with what you need now. And sometimes you're dehydrated, you need fluid. Sometimes you're tired, you need a nap. Sometimes you're stressed, you need a vacation. Sometimes you just need a hug. Sometimes you need a medication. Sometimes you need acupuncture. So it's all healing. And for any one modality to take the monopoly is incorrect. You know? Amen. <laughs> I love how you word that. I mean, sometimes a nap is medicine. I love yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so fantastic. So um, energetic medicine. So you mentioned homeopathy um, mm -hmm. and then acupuncture. What other energetic medicines do you practice? Well, those are the two main ones that we practice. Now we do refer out. We've used Reiki. We use craniosacral therapy. I love craniosacral therapy, healing touch. Okay. Tell us about craniosacral. Craniosacral therapy is cranium, head, sacrum, butt, craniosacral. And it's the movement of spinal fluid up and down the spinal column. And it has its own rhythm. And when you're trained, you can feel that rhythm. And as you balance it, you balance parts of the body. It also has a component called somatic emotional release where you can release past traumas. And I mean, there were some fantastic stories. I took the training. I don't practice. I took the training just to learn more about it. And I remember this, the story of this one guy that he was like in his seventies and they were, they were working on him. Uh, he was laying down and he just sat up and goes, oh my goodness, he goes, that SOB. And the therapist goes, what? And so <laughs> he had released a trauma of somebody that had injured him like 50 years before. Wow. Yeah, and because it, it insists. A lot of times, even our physical trauma insists. The other one I really liked was a tennis player who was a pro, and she just didn't want to play anymore, but felt the pressure from her coach and one day she just, I guess, had a lousy practice or a bad game. And when she bent over to pick up her racket, he like pushed her, kicked her in the butt and pushed her forward and she fell and hurt her elbow. Well, that was her ticket out of that anyway. And as they were working on her and they got 
her arm back in the position when she heard it, she was able to release the emotion. Mm. So the, there are just so many different avenues. We also have neurofeedback, which is doing reprogramming of the brain. Um, and we use, we refer out to for neurosomatic therapy, which is not energy medicine, that's physical or structural medicine, mm-hmm. which incredible because mm-hmm. dealing with the muscles, ligaments, tendons, fascia, you can get blood flow back into the muscle systems and create incredible healing. Yeah. And we, we, yeah. Wow. And um, fascia might be a word that some of our listeners don't understand. Can you explain what fascia is? Yes. Fascia is um, like the cellophane. Um, okay. It's easier to explain this way. You know, when you eat chicken and you eat a drumstick and you can see how there's like little cellophane stuff between the muscles as you pull them off, that's fascia. Wow. And so we have fascial planes, little cellophane-like tissue that separates our muscles um, even the organs and that can actually get tight. Wow. Is there communication also that happens in the fascia? Yes. Wow. Yeah. And then what I, I remember hearing a couple of years ago, something about the interstitial. Yes. Interstitial fluid, the fluid that is in between, um, the cells, the organs, the different, um, yeah, the, the whole body is so connected, mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. there's so much that we're we're learning, and yeah. you know, learning more and more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we really are, and it's it's sort of a bit of human arrogance that sometimes they will declare this is what you need to do when you know they know so little about what they're actually messing with and it can be fascinating um to read some um some of the writings of research scientists especially when they're going after something that might lead to a new product because that's when you get a lot of admissions of what they don't know yeah you know like like they're working on a new whooping cough vaccine pertussis vaccine and you read some of the explorations in that direction and they'll freely now say well we really don't understand how this works we're not sure how the immune system responds to this and blah 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 and you're just like what you told us you know they're absolutely know what you're doing they're safe and effective and you got to do it what you're telling us that you're it's just a a stab in the dark and you're hoping (laughs) you know um yeah so i think that the best doctors have the sense of humility and humbleness to them that they're going to offer out of their experience and their research what they think is the best avenue, but they don't say, you have to do this or, you know, this is going to cure you because, you know. Well, we're not, we're not allowed to say cure anymore. Um, yeah. You know, and the reality, I remember when I was little, my dad was a, was a brilliant surgeon and, and he was my model and the reason that I went into to medicine. And I, I, I just remember this so vividly that somebody had given him a sign and I wish I had saved it. At that time, I was completely insulted. Now I completely believe it's true. And the sign said, God heals, the doctor takes the fee. Okay. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and, that's such a good one. I know. <laughs> well, that's, that's really true. And what I say we do, what I do is we facilitate your healing, okay? Beautiful. And 
in terms of homeopathy, homeopathy suppresses symptoms. So I go, let's just take antibiotics. Now, sometimes they're necessary. I'm not going to downplay everything because everything has its place. But in pediatrics, I mean, one of the things that's changed tremendously in my practice and actually in all of medicine was when I started, we used to give antibiotics for everything. Right. Oh, you had a cold for a few days. Um, we're just head off a sinus infection by doing this. Well, 10 years into it, no, that's wrong. So now it's full swing. Let's not treat it. Let's see what your body can do. And the reality is that's just what antibiotics do. They suppress the infection enough that your body then can take over and finish the process. Mm. Um, you know, and that's really what all of it is. So why not use something that's less invasive, that's got fewer side effects, because now you get all the gut stuff afterwards. And, you know, some of the medications just are just so allergenic for so many people. Mm -hmm. um, so I've built my practice in my life on let's use the least invasive, most effective, most affordable method. And I work with parents because, you know, it, it is, it's their child and we're right. here to guide you. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I mean, I had my holy moments that just changed my life completely and um, put me down this path. And so I just go, I don't tell people anything that doesn't work. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's the important bit. Yeah. 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 It, so, oh, go ahead, Javier. So I just had a quick question. Since you're now working in Florida and, you know, that's your main uh, area where you do your you carry out your, your work. Uh, how has the environment changed uh, since, uh, you know, you've got, uh, what, what am I blanking on the governor's name? This is awful. DeSantis. 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 And now you've got uh, the, the uh, Ladapo as the, uh, uh, as the uh, uh, secretary of health. Was there a major change? Did you see a shift in how uh, doctors can practice medicine in Florida? Um. For me, not yet, because I'm one that's out there. Um, Got it. My, my practice hasn't changed. The one big thing that has with all the providers is I'm a lot more detailed in documentation. Ah, okay. okay. Um, but I have not, we have not suffered or have had to change radically what we're doing just documenting more carefully. Got it. And in terms of your interactions with other doctors uh, outside of Florida, uh, if you do interact with them, has there been a major, you know, what are, what are some of the complaints associated with all the craziness that's been going on these past few years? I know that there's been a big push in trying to get children inoculated uh, with the with this um, COVID stuff. Yeah. I don't really interact with other doctors much. And, um, the one thing that I have noticed that is it, it's disturbing to me because in pediatrics, I go, well, I, we're supposed to be child advocates. Right. And I go, I don't know how you can be an advocate for a child when you don't listen to the parents and what they want and what they tell you. So the, the huge big change that I have noticed, not just in Florida, but in other states, because I just get reports are, is the huge push that people will not, other pediatricians will not serve 
families who choose to do no vaccines or who want to do slow vaccines. They just dismiss them from the practice. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's coming directly from the um, AAP, from the American Academy of Pediatrics. It's really disturbing. Yeah. And in states like Washington State, where in order to file a personal or religious exemption, you have to have a risk-benefit consultation with a practitioner who signs either a letter or the exemption form itself stating they've given you this consultation. And it's becoming harder and harder for individuals to find a doctor willing to give this risk-benefit consultation. And I'll, I'll go ahead and give a plug for the service that Informed Choice Washington has started, if you go to our menu tab, um, there is a risk-benefit consultation. You'll see it up there. Click on that. Um, we have a free class that we teach on Wednesday nights that teaches you not everything about vaccines because you can't do that in an hour. It's going to take you many days, if not weeks, to really explore the subject. It's a serious subject. There's a lot of science and information and a lot of products to explore. Um, but we provide resources in that hour to help you get started on doing your due diligence as a parent. And then at the end of this, we provide a referral to a practitioner who will give you an official risk-benefit consultation and will sign your exemption form. So we're trying to help out Washington State parents in this, um, this awful era of a lot of doctors being um, coerced into not, and it's, it goes back to the insurance, really. It's been being done through insurance, right. you know, the reimbursement and the fees that they get. So a lot, I've heard from other doctors who have done the math. In fact, there isn't there, a, there's a published study on Dr. Paul Thomas's study uh, practice on how much money he does not take in because he gives fully informed consent or his practice gives fully informed consent. So they, there's not a hundred percent, of every vaccine and it's like a million dollars a year that his practice does not take in that and i imagine you're the same way oh yeah totally i was on in the movie vaxxed the first one oh yay yes and somebody had had asked me they said is it true that you can get like 400 to seven hundred thousand dollars like incentive from the insurance companies for promoting vaccines and i said oh um, I, I have no idea. I never heard of that. All right. Mm-hmm. And so then I had, um, did some investigation and found out it was true. And I just laughed and said, well, no wonder I never heard of it because I don't practice that way. There you go. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And then I was talking to a parent and I was like, you know, she asked me that and I said, yeah, it is true. I said, maybe I should rethink this whole vaccine thing. And she started laughing and I said, yeah, I can't do that. You know? No. So we're very much pro-choice and yes, and we're very much informed consent. And if I may be shameless for a moment, I, I <laughs> bought a class and it's on our website, thefranscenter.com, on immunizations, the untold facts. And it's available Ooh. for anybody to rent. Okay. Oh, that's fantastic. We will put a link up on our website. We have a resource page, and it sounds like that needs to be a resource uh, for parents as they're on this journey. Um, thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, you you plug away. That's why you're here. I want people to know about you. And, um, you know, and then having people know about what you're doing, 
helps others realize that there is another model of medicine. And if somebody is miserable in the practice they are now, you know, and they see this, they'll think, well, if she can do it, I can do it. You know, they can escape that, you know, that model. But let's go back to some of the, the healing methods that you choose from. So you were, you talked about the physical energetic medicine, but then you hinted at there's this whole other side. I guess it would be more like the emotional, spiritual, energetic side of healing. Oh, yeah. And in homeopathy, this is where it really came home for me. Um, I'm going to back up. So in Western medicine training, we're taught, and if if you're taught well, you remember this lesson, that 90% of what you need to know you get in the history and maybe 10% in the physical and testing. The patient will tell you what's wrong if you're listening, all right? And it's learning how to listen. So in homeopathy, when you are taking somebody's history, it is very detailed. And the mental emotionals drive it the most. So an easy, easy example for all you listeners, you can try this, okay? So when you have a child or when you're feeling this way as an adult, like women, especially with PMS, and you're feeling weepy and whiny and clingy and pitiful and everything's a drama, okay? You know, he touched me. You didn't load the dishwasher right. You know, why don't you ever help? I'm like, there's a homeopathic remedy, pulsatilla, that's for weepy, whiny, clingy drama. (laughs) And it works so well. And I, my first, second holy moment was I was in homeopathy class learning and I came home late at night. Our youngest son was sick. He was flipping and flopping and crying in the bed. I'm exhausted. Got to be at the hospital at six. And I'm like, I'm just going to, this is it. This is my chance to prove that this stuff does not work. Okay. (laughs) It's the negative hypothesis. Very good. Real science. (laughs) He was weepy, whiny, clingy drama. And I gave him pulsatilla. I looked in his ear and it was really infected. Mm. And so I gave it to him and then I timed him because I thought I'm going to be up this whole blinking night. (laughs) so 10 minutes he laid down and slept through the night wow my goodness i know i said only morphine works that fast and i didn't have (laughs) so but then he was he was well in the morning and it can work in chronic things it is there are remedies for anxiety that are terrific and i mean just you think about it all kinds. I mean, there's remedies for eczema, but it's the mental emotionals that drive it. And so Mm -hmm. you can have the physical symptoms like he had an earache, Mm -hmm. but I knew the remedy to pick based on his state, his mental. Interesting. And even medicine. Okay. I mean, that's just such a glorious example, but even in Western medicine, you know, I see people and I'm listening and I'm looking and I'm listening and I'm like, what's really going on? Okay. And, you know, well, just nothing. And I go, nope, something happened. Mm-hmm. And then they tell you. Then you get to the root. And we all make up stories. Everybody does. There's a fantastic book called Crucial Conversations, which I love. And it tells you about how people make up stories. I laughed. 
I laughed out loud when I started realizing the stories I was making up. Okay? <laughs> so then, you know, you can look at people and they're starting to just get all ramped up. And I stop and go, what story are you making up in your head? <laughs> and then they'll go, oh, well, you know, this. It's like, I'm going to be late for work, okay? And then the traffic's bad. I'm going to get fired. My life is going to be ruined. I'm going to be homeless. And it's like, yeah, that was great. Okay. <laughs> Just because you're late, just make a phone call. So the mental, emotional stuff is so important. And thank you, pandemic, for making anxiety like the number one thing all over the world. Um, I I, I think that if you don't mind me getting a little controversial here, because that's what we do. Um, Thank you, pandemic, because it it wasn't the virus that really instilled fear. It was the government response to it, right. you know, and, and remember where you are. Cause I squirrel, but I will never forget the day that CDC director, Rochelle Walensky, I've got the little video. I should play it again. Went on national international news. And she looked in the camera and said, I'm so afraid it's, oh, but I'm going to go off script here glance down at script, look back up um, and, and tell it, but we've got three great vaccines that can save us. You know, anyway, who leads a nation in a difficult time with a new illness circulating and tells them I'm afraid. I mean, that's not leadership. What the heck? She should have said for well, first of all, she should have said God ivermectin. Right. But she didn't do that and she's not going to do, I don't know. I never say never things will change, but anyway, um, see, I squirreled. Okay. So yes. Yeah, so this <laughs> pandemic has instilled fear and, and the fear is still pumping out big time. So yes, anxiety. Number one, I hope you remembered where you were. <laughs> well, I remember where I am. And that Good. was just another great segue into fear because I, every single month we have a new parent night for our practice and we have a Facebook page, the Friends Center. Anybody can, you know, sign up, and we discuss what we do at the Friends Center. Um, and one of the slides I talk about is fear. And fear, okay, if you've seen the movie with Will Smith and his son Jaden Smith called After Earth, there's a great soliloquy in there where he goes, you know, stop taking me. But fear, danger is real. Fear is a choice. There you go. And and so I constantly am educating and empowering families. Our whole practice does to realize what's going on, that fear is a manipulative tool to get you to do what you want. And so for families who choose to do no vaccines or slow vaccines, I just flat look at them and go, you just need to know the score because you are such ripe pickings. All right. It's very easy to say you're going to harm your child by not doing this. And I go, but what's, what do you really think? Because parents know, and I trust that deep gut sensation. I go, I'll give you facts all day long. Okay. Facts, boom, science, literature. And then I will stop and say, but what does your gut tell you? Exactly. Because a parent's gut, a person's gut is going to win every time. I go, that's that divine mm-hmm. spark, that intuition, you know, and I say that 
I respect that. Mm -hmm. Okay. I respect it as a physician and I respect it as a parent. Yeah. Very good. And, um, you know, the, some of the classes that I lead, which are more, you know, because I don't have an MD or anything and, um, but I encourage parents to go learn more because knowledge takes away fear when you can stand from a place of knowledge and make rational decisions because you, you know, not from that emotional place of fear, but from knowledge. And so one of the things I point out is like, what will you do? Let's talk about say whooping cough. Okay. Now we know that the current whooping cough vaccine does not prevent infection, colonization, or transmission, if it matches the current circulating strain for at the most 18 months, it suppresses symptoms. Okay. But some children are getting full-blown pertussis anyway, if it's protected negative, something like that. Okay. So you need to empower yourself, whether you decide to get the shot or not, what will you do? What's going to be your pathway as a parent to help your child safely through pertussis. So encourage them to explore, like there's a book called The Unvaccinated Child. I think we have a link on our website. And, you know, maybe go to a pediatrician you trust, such as yourself, Dr. France, to say, how do you treat pertussis? If I don't get this vaccine or if I get it and they get it anyway, how would you treat it? You know, what's the success rate? And then they realize, my gosh, it's treatable like we know COVID-19 is treatable, <laughs> that, that it's 99.999% survivable, um, mm-hmm. that they can then make a much more rational decision. Exactly. Yeah. But, uh, you know, anytime they invent or try to target a, an infection with a vaccine, treatments get thrown out the window. And, you know, the next big one they're moving toward, they've been working on for years, is the RSV. They've got RSV pipeline vaccines for newborns, pregnant women, people of all ages. And they've been having trouble. The clinical trials have not been great. And that's why we haven't seen them yet. But they're already prepping society for the need for it. You will see journals and and just mainstream news articles getting people prepared that they're going to need this. So they're already marketing it so that when they finally, if they ever get one, I hope they don't. And I I say that because, like, there's, I'm sorry for squirreling. I'm going to get back to the point. But um, I, there's this researcher that I have spoken with and I really do have great respect for in many ways who has done um, studies on pertussis and found that when you look at um, maternal protection, um, no, I'm sorry, not pertussis, RSV. When you look at RSV, there is no correlate of protection between the level of immunity passed from a mom to baby that tells whether or not that baby will catch a severe case of RSV. And mother's milk and, and the passive immunity at birth and then the mother's milk is very protective. What, what her study revealed was that the deciding factor was the environment. Exposure to smoke to, and poor diet, so poverty, poor nutrition, and exposure to smoke. And some of the smoke was like outdoor cooking in some poor rural communities, so that that type of smoke, not just cigarette smoking, that was the deciding factor. And so I asked this research scientist, why are you working for a company trying to um, make a vaccine when the number of antibodies, you can boost them 
off the charts and it's not going to make a difference if the environment yeah. of that child has not been changed. She had no answer, right? Um, okay, back to my squirrel and back to your wonderful organization. Hey, Javier, your ice is rattling every time you pick up your iced tea. I just Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry about that. And you're making me thirsty. I'll have to sip my tea here in a minute. Mine doesn't have ice though. Um, because it's cold here in, in Tennessee. It's like upper 20s right now. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's been unusually cold. It's okay. warmer here in Seattle. Yeah, isn't that, isn't that something? Just got a little bit of winter time here in the... Well, all of that just still maintains what's, what's really going on. I mean, in the circle that I function, everything's about boosting immunity. So if we keep the immune system healthy, right, with it's divine. I tell people that all the time. It's divine. We didn't create it, right? We're just back engineering and learning about something that was already created that operates just fine without any intervention. When we get enough sunlight, oxygen, water, and food exercise, perhaps mm -hmm. the best models for this are children, right? Mm -hmm. Watch <laughs> children. They just do what comes naturally because their brains aren't tainted, right? So, you know, when we do these things and keep the immune system healthy, then the incidence of these illnesses drops. Mm -hmm. you know, people go, well, but people die. And I go, I get that. People die from something every day. They can die from the common cold. You know, I mean, all these, it's very real. I never diminish the capacity for some infection to take somebody out, but it's about the odds and statistics. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what about, so pertussis, I've seen over 50 cases in my career, and every one of them healed uneventfully. And we used integrative protocols and just alternatives to correct it, and the body healed. That doesn't mean everybody will. I understand that. And, you know, when I, when I was a resident, we saw tons of children die from meningitis, and then the Hib vaccine came out. It takes credit. And I'm like, well, I'm not sure it gets all the credit because a lot of people make other choices, healthier choices. You know, other studies, epigenetics, all right? Bruce mm -hmm. the Biology of Belief. Oh, my God, what a great book, okay? <laughs> and, you know, he's showing that um, it's the cell membrane. Now, I got squirreled. I got off track there. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's contagious. I know it's about the bio, it's about belief, biology, and the immune system. Yeah. And one of my most favorite studies that I cannot find, and I forgot to save it, was a measles study done in the 20s and 30s. And so, uh, yeah. Yeah. Have you seen it, heard it? Yeah. I've so, heard of it, yes. Right. So, children who have a condition called A gamma globulinemia, meaning they cannot make antibodies. Their white cells do not make antibodies, got measles. And you would think that that would be a tragic situation for all of them. They weathered measles like children with normal immune systems. Mm -hmm. So the immune system is way more divine and complex than we realize. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so when we just do this and I go, well, another book I read was called The Hot Zone. And it was about Ebola. And yep. the only thing I remember is this one page that um, was talking about all the workers in the hospital. And yes, some got it and died. But 
my attention just honed in like a laser on those that didn't die. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why, why didn't they die? Why didn't they die? And there was something in there, or I just had an epiphany. I went, they weren't afraid. Yep. Okay. They weren't afraid. They didn't let fear weaken their immune system. Hmm. And this is the same for the pan pandemic. All of it. Mm-hmm. Everybody has gotten sick. And the number of people who've recovered is far more than the number of people who've died. Mm-hmm. So it just, you know, sometimes it's like I wrote a book called Common Sense Pediatrics, and I just go, it's common sense. Let's just break this down. Mm-hmm. And our mission is to empower the lives of those we touch through education of mind, body, and spirit. And so, just like you said, when you have information, when you have knowledge, when you're empowered, then you can make a truly informed decision. Yeah. Amen. That is so beautiful. Um, I wanted to mention um, the fact that after the Hib vaccine, Haemophilus influenza B strain was introduced, the incidence of that strain did drop, but nature abhors a vacuum and other strains moved in and there was no net benefit other strains just as as fatal or dangerous and it keeps coming back to the anytime they come out with a vaccine product suddenly treatments are getting short shrift parents Mm -hmm. need to know about treatments doctors need to know about proper treatments and if iv vitamin c or oral vitamin c or cold socks on the feet, which actually there's science behind cold socks on the feet. If there is what it's like you said, if it heals, it's medicine, it's all medicine. So, you know, that has been what another thing that this whole COVID chaos has revealed and the great doctors like Paul Merrick and Dr. Pierre Corey, um, and you know, all those at FLCCC America's frontline doctors. I mean, there's just too many to name. They're fantastic. Um, they have just shown that doctors need to be free to reach for the best tools, not the tools that have been called standard of care, which are not always the best choice. Um, Yeah. And, you know, I really think we're in a revolution now. I think that enough people in the medical community have woken up to the corporate capture of what they're doing and said, I mean, when you see a patient die in front of you, you know, you could have saved if your hands weren't tied and if you'd been able to treat them properly, your life is, as you knew, it was over, you know, you, you've got to get up there. You've got to step up and step out and, and make the changes happen. Um, in here in Tennessee, yep. there's a, a group called the Adam group.net, I think, um, to empower people in Tennessee in order to, find advocates if they've got a loved one in the hospital, but also to help them find a primary care physician that is aligned with them, that will support them and be a proper doctor. And it was named after somebody who was denied adequate care for COVID and passed away. And it just broke their hearts that, and I don't remember all the details of the story, so I won't relate it here now, but I might do that on a future episode. Um, So at, you know, to, to not make light of it too much, but as it, it says in 
chitty chitty bang bang from the ashes of disaster grow the roses of success you know so we are going to grow some roses in the ashes of the disaster that was thrust upon us right well there has to be something good that comes out of of everything yeah i mean the the, the people that i wish to reach are those that wish to get this information and know this is the most powerful thing I think I can say to families. You have options. Mm, beautiful. And, and just options. And just to segue into that, because of the pandemic, uh, all the changes that have occurred, have you seen an increase in the number of parents seeking out services such as yours? Um, for us, it's, uh, well, I would say yes. I would say for mm -hmm. us, it's sort of a steady stream over the years. Right. And, um, but then I start hearing things and I'm like, oh, that's why I got licenses in other states. I said, listen, uh, I need to be able to help other people. And I grew up in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's like, all right, I, I want people to know and to know. And we do virtual visits and the virtual visits are so, I, I mean, this is all virtual, you know? Right. 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 And, and it works. I mean, the sharing of information does not always have to be face-to-face. -face. Yeah, face-to-face exactly. -face is ideal, but you know, this can work, you know. There, I think, I think this works so well. I love the dynamic here. I'm one of those people that tends to not be censored, you know. Sometimes I open mouth, insert foot because of that. But I also feel like I get these awesome, genuine connections with people. I forget that I'm streaming live on CHD. I forget I'm on the radio. And I just talk to these amazing people that come on the air. And we have these very human conversations about what's real, you know. Um, best conversations come from the gut, not from the brain. You know, I can type up all sorts of notes about how to lead this. But then our passion takes over the conversation. And that's those tend to be the best ones. You know, like they do because the, the power of transmitting information often comes from stories. Mm -hmm. So again, I can tell you facts, but the stories make a difference. Like, okay, mm -hmm. I want to circle back to energy if you don't mind. Yes, okay. yes. Because even even this show and the people you connect with, it's an energy connection that reaches very far. Mm -hmm. And one of the experiences, well, I'm going to tell you two. The two reasons, well, the number one reason I'm in pediatrics was a six-year-old girl because I was going to be a heart surgeon, all right? And I was, I was in med school, and I was doing a rotation, and they sent me to draw blood on this six-year-old girl. And I don't know if you've ever tried to wrestle an angry dog or an angry child. Yeah. <laughs> their, their, their chi, their life force is like somebody on PCP, okay? Yeah. Uh, I've tried to I've tried to put a cat in a cat carrier. I think right. that's the same thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it took four burly men to hold her down. Okay. And I got her blood on the first stick. I thought I was gonna throw up, but I didn't, thank goodness. It was so messy. Anyway, so I got her blood and then we let her go. And in that moment, I went, I'm not doing this. I cannot do this ever. Okay. This little girl stood up, shook herself off like a dog looked me square in the face, said, thank you, and gave me a hug. Oh. That moment changed my life because I realized children don't lie or dissemble. 
you know, they're grateful and they get well many times in spite of what we do. (laughs) She was, she was one. So her energy literally changed my life. And that's why I'm here today. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then another one was, it was a miracle. I was in the NICU and this little baby, this baby died. Okay. It was a little girl and she died and I was right there. And, um, the attending pronounced her and it was a very busy night. So we put her off in the corner under a warmer and wrapped her up till the morgue could come get her. And I just, 45 minutes later, I felt the need to go check on her and she was alive. And <gasps> Okay. And she survived. And it, I mean, it's stories like this and she was fine. I got to follow her for two years. She had no deficits. Okay. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so this kind of stuff, happens all the time and it points out i mean that had nothing to do with her medical care that was a divine okay Mm -hmm. you know the only medical care was she was under a warmer okay yeah yeah these are transformative moments and so many people have them and stories and and that's what keeps us going that's wonderful and you know i those are going to be the we've hit the top of the hour here. So I I am so grateful for you coming on to the show. We're going to have you back again in the future. And the way to find you is, again, your website? Thefranscenter.com. Thefranscenter.com. Thank you so much. You have a blessed weekend. Thank you, Dr. X. We will see everybody next week. Don't forget to tune in to chd.tv to watch the March on Sunday. Um, You've been listening to 1150 AM KKNW and Inform Life Radio. Hi. During this unprecedented response to an infection outbreak, it has been made very clear that shutting down lives and businesses is not sustainable or repeatable. We've also learned that it's unnecessary. Treatments exist and always exist. For 99% of the population, nutrients and oxidative therapies that support the immune system and improve symptoms are always available to address viral infections. For the less than 1% who need more, Inexpensive, unpatentable drugs can be added to the nutrient therapies to improve outcomes. It's time each and every one of us empower ourselves with this knowledge. We need not ever bring our lives to a halt again. We can both save lives and retain the liberty that nourishes us body and soul. Learn more at HealthyImmunityNow.org. That's HealthyImmunityNow.org. Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, The High Wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate, evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions. 
high above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com. Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life Radio and visit the website informedchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informedchoicewa.org today.